Leanne Tran, psychologist who's worked with families whose kids don't fit the mould for almost 20 years. I've worked with children for decades, but I know parents are the real change makers when it comes to their kids. Having three kids of my own means I know it's not easy. Parent Like a Psychologist is all about simplifying how you support your kids with psychology information filtered through years of experience to take you from overwhelmed to confident. Come on in. Hello, everybody. I hope you are having a lovely week. Um, I have not been so much this week in my household. There has been a cold going around school and it's taken out two out of the three kids and now we're all just crossing our fingers and hoping that none of us are next. Oh, it kind of puts things out of routine a little bit um, when the kids aren't well or when we're not well and I'm looking forward to the time when um, everybody's healthy and the routine kind of goes back to normal. I really thrive on routine. So which is good for my kids because I'm then usually pretty organized with their routine. Uh, I wanted to talk today though about when things don't go to plan. Um, school refusal. It's a really big topic and it's on my mind because I've dealt with it a little bit just this morning myself. Um, I've had experience as a parent with school refusal um, before many times. So I and I hear about it when parents come to see me and they talk about um, school refusal in that same kind of um, emotional, worn down kind of way. It really is taxing. Um, often I've felt like when I've dealt with that and finally got the kids off to school that I was done for the day. Emotionally, I was drained. Um, I felt like there was not much left I had to to give, but then I had to go on and do my work day. So I really do understand when parents talk to me about how stressful it is. For, as a psychologist, I think the tricky thing about school refusal is it's a really big, complex issue. There's usually lots of moving parts that go along into school refusal. Um, School refusal varies a lot too. So essentially it's when kids don't want to go to school and they try to refuse to go. And it varies from some kids doing it um, out of the blue or some kids doing it here and there, but infrequently. And then if things snowball and it gets quite serious, kids can not go to school for weeks or parts of a term, sometimes even full terms. And at that point, it's really, really, really difficult to wind it back and um, have that, you know, you, you wouldn't really be able to then just expect kids to just start and go the next term each day for the full days. You'd really need to look at a staged approach to kind of getting them back to school. It's a lot trickier once things reach that point. Um, so it's probably worth doing a whole webinar on this topic by itself, I think. And that's something I have added to my to-do list um, because school refusal is something that kids who are neurodivergent experience um, a lot and kids with learning disabilities as well. That's neurodivergence as well. But um, 
I think it, they're the, the kinds of kids who don't fit the mould are really more susceptible to this school refusal. It happens for lots and lots of reasons. So today in this episode, I wanted to talk about what some of the reasons are. Talk a little bit about how I would go about approaching um, helping your, your kids with school refusal and then what you can do as a parent in the mornings um, when it's happening. We're going to spend a majority of the time, well, I'm going to spend a majority of the time talking about the reasons for school refusal because that's one of the things I that needs to be addressed first. Um, and I think understanding the problem fully is what is really going to lead to the best solutions. Um, and it might be that if you implement some of these things and you're still struggling with school refusal and so is your child, then seeking more support from a psychologist could be um, helpful. So when I think about um, the reasons for school refusal, there's kind of school reasons, home reasons, and then personal reasons as well. So the school reasons are kind of factors about school that make kids not want to go. Um, They could just have a general dislike for school. Some kids are like that, but usually there's a reason and there's something underlying that dislike. One of the common things is um, friendship issues or bullying. Bullying is in the extreme where kids are being targeted um, repeatedly and picked on. That's not fun. Um, If kids feel like teachers aren't helping them with that, they are less likely to ask for help. And and that feeling unsupported at school means that they they won't want to go. So bullying is a big one. Um, If your child's talking about that kind of stuff, talk with them about it and talk with their teachers so that you can properly understand how your child's feeling and um, whether that they're experiencing some bullying that's contributing to the situation. In its, um, the other thing I mentioned is friendship issues. So bullying is at the extreme end of things. Friendship issues are difficult as well. And that could just be falling out with a friend Um, or someone in the friendship group, having an argument with a best friend, or when kids are little, sometimes um, having a best friend decide that they've changed and they found another best friend. Um, Sometimes it's just going through these periods where you feel like you don't know where your group is um, or where you fit in. So those friendships, um, if they're not going well, can be a reason kids don't want to go to school. On the flip side of that, if you can encourage really strong friendships and connections with people at school, that's a really good protective factor. Um, Often kids will talk to me about how school's hard and they don't like the work, but the best thing is their friends and lunchtime. So trying to build some connections through play dates or you know, that kind of thing is a really good idea. Um, Sometimes it's the academic side of things um, that's making kids not want to go to school. So it's really common for kids who have learning challenges to not want to go to school. 
So that can be if they're finding the work too difficult. It can be if they've got um, a learning disorder that's either not diagnosed yet or not as well supported as it could be at school. It can be language difficulties as well. So language um, disorders are quite common in kids. And so if they're really not liking school, they don't want to be there, they seem disengaged, it's worth thinking about, you know, whether they show other signs of having trouble understanding what's going on all the time. Um, the other thing is it could just be hard to be in the classroom as well. Sometimes that's because of sensory difficulties. Classes are really noisy places. They're unpredictable as well, particularly in primary school, lower primary school. Um, other kids are really unpredictable. Sometimes they're loud, sometimes they jostle you. So that can be overwhelming for some kids. And then if you add on top of that challenges like ADHD and autism, that can also mean that it's really difficult to be there. So for kids who have hyperactivity, sitting still in that classroom environment all day is sometimes next to impossible. So if your child's saying that they just, you know, they want to go, well, you know, they have friends there, they're looking forward to some parts of school, but they just can't handle the classroom environment, talk to your teachers about some modifications. Um, it can be difficult also for kids who um, have inattention, they might zone out and that kind of thing. So it's worth understanding how all of these things affect your kids and play out in school refusal. Um, autistic kids often can find classwork quite boring if it's not on a topic they're interested in or if it's um, not the way they like to learn as well. And on top of that, the sensory things and perhaps difficulty getting along with teachers. Sometimes it's hard to work out what they actually mean and what they want you to do. Um, those things are all important to understand. I talk a lot about the um, function of a behavior. And so it means that what what is the underlying issue that's causing the behavior or why it's happening? And so if we think about school refusal as the behavior, the underlying cause or function is the place that we can work on um, improving things. And that's where the problem solving is kind of focused on rather than on the school refusal itself. I talked before about how there are some um, personal reasons. And so those kind of things can be um, they're personal as in within the child. So they might have some anxiety. Um, sometimes that's why kids don't want to separate and go to school. They have separation anxiety and would really prefer to be with a, a parent. Sometimes they have social anxiety or performance anxiety, which is really hard in a classroom environment. Uh, sometimes it's just stress. The kids who seem uh, like everything's kind of a challenge and they're finding um, it stressful to keep up with the demands. That could be because they've got executive functioning challenges and keeping organized and, and knowing that 
what they're meant to do and that they're on the right track is hard. Um, or sometimes, and sometimes all those things can happen and it just leads to overwhelm. And so kids have just kind of used all their coping resources and they're tapped out. They can't do any more. So understanding uh, where your kids are coming from is really helpful. The other reasons are the home reasons. And sometimes it's because of things happening at home that kids don't want to go to school. Sometimes it's if they are worried about uh, a parent or somebody else at home, then they want to stay around to protect that person and look after them and make sure they're okay, which is a, a really admirable thing, but it's not what kids are meant to be doing. So if there's somebody in the family who's unwell, whether it's mental health challenges or um, physical challenges or illnesses, sometimes kids are worried about that. Um, so focusing on helping them work through that worry can alleviate it. And sometimes uh, home is a more fun place to be. This one is tricky because really at the beginning, lots of lots of the time school is fun. Um, if, if kids are having challenges with all of those things I've just mentioned, it will become less and less fun. Um, and then in the balance of things, home becomes more fun than school. Sometimes that's normal and natural if, if school's tricky, but the thing to be aware of is how how you respond when your kids are at home um, so that you don't accidentally encourage the refusal of school by making home a pretty good place to be. I'm going to talk about how you can make home horrible in the next um, in the next little section. This is the only time I will let you make home horrible, a horrible place to be. <laughs> um, so what can help? I guess Oh, the first thing is you need help on both sides of the gate. If your child has school refusal and you need them to go, you really need a teacher or somebody on the other side to meet them as soon as you drop them off, who is their safe person they're connected to, to be able to help them during the day. If kids don't feel safe and supported, they won't want to go. Um, I think how I look at it is that you've got to address all of these things, the home, the school, um, and the, the personal, the, the child's kind of functioning and coping at the same time. Um, but the first place to start is on what's underlying the school refusal. So those things that we mentioned before, identifying those challenges and trying to address those challenges. If it's learning problems, meet with a teacher to talk about the learning plan. If it's related to hyperactivity, meet with the teacher to talk about how can, how can he be supported at school so that it's manageable for him to stay. If it's anxiety, perhaps you do a parent program for anxiety or um, your child sees a psychologist. So sometimes those things aren't about the school refusal at all, but that's where we need to start. Uh, then move, sorry, have 
somebody on the other side of the gate, like I mentioned, and that can be a really key piece of the puzzle, not only because then they feel safe at school, but you have that connection between you and the school and that you're working on things together. You don't feel alone. They don't feel annoyed that you're just not ever getting the kids to school, but also your child knows that um, you and the school are working together and there's open communication. The third thing is to make home boring and not fun at all if kids aren't going to school. And this is one that is so hard because um, if you're having to work at home because your child's homesick, it means that you, the level you can supervise them is not as um, high as usual. So, um, and then that sometimes when they get to do fun stuff like um, watch movies or TV or YouTube, play video games or whatever it is. But the reality is that if kids get to stay home and do all their favorite things all day and even get McDonald's for lunch or something like that, it's going to make it so much harder to swing the balance back to getting them to go to school. Um, In our house, I guess my husband and I have worked a lot with kids who have real, really big challenges going to school and it kind of terrifies the both of us. So even when our kids have been um, home sick with a cold, we try to abide by the no screens rule from nine to three um, or whenever the usual routine is. And so for us, that's making sure they can read books, listen to audio books, do puzzles, have a nap, um, play with their pets. But there's nothing that's no video games, no TV, no YouTube. They're not having snacks or treats for lunch and that kind of thing. They eat their lunch box, which they would have had um, if they'd gone to school. And that for us is because we want to make sure that... Um, home doesn't seem like an appealing option during the week. Sounds a bit harsh when I say it out loud, but um, we love them, we care for them, but it's just about, I don't know, trying to make sure that the balance is there. Uh, What do you do in the moment then? That's, That's what parents ask me a lot. What do I do in the morning though when they want to go, they don't want to go to school. And this is a really, um, I think it's really individual and it's going to depend a lot on you as a parent, um, and on your individual child. But the thing I think is to expect that with, I should probably should have taken a step back and explained that with school refusal, sometimes it comes from that oppositional kind of place because of all those underlying reasons, or sometimes it comes from an anxiety-based place because of all those underlying reasons. And so it's important to understand what's happening for your child. Um, I'm going to err on the side of talking about anxiety-based issues because I think um, how you respond is probably the same, but to understand that they might be feeling really stressed out 
is important. And with anxiety comes a fight response, fight, flight or freeze. And so watch out for that in the behavior of your kids in the morning if they're saying they're not going to school. So usually in my house or kids I've seen, it's crossing their arms and going, I'm not going, I'm not going. And to me, I think about it from an anxiety lens, that's a fight response. They are fighting with me about it, but it's really based on that anxiety. And so it's a scary thing. They don't want to do it. So they're fighting the scary thing. For me, that helps me really not take it personally when the kids are yelling, you're so annoying, shut up, stop doing, like, I don't care, I'm not listening to you, you don't care about me, that kind of stuff, because I know it's coming from a place of anxiety and fear. Sometimes there's that flight response. So you'll ask your kid to go and put on their uniform and they'll disappear and (laughs) you can't find them. They're literally running away. It's the flight response. I don't want to deal with it. I'm going to avoid it. Um, If I just go and hide in the laundry, um, they won't, you know, I'll just do that. I don't have to deal with it. So don't get too angry if that happens to try and understand it from that. They're trying, they're in survival mode at that point. And the other thing is freeze. So the same thing, sitting there with the sock over the big toe for like five minutes and they're not doing anything because they're frozen, they're they're overwhelmed. I find that really, so as with any of my strategies, the first step is to stop and take a, a big breath or do whatever it is you want to do to feel calm yourself. Because then you have to steel yourself for handling whatever comes next, just deflect whatever comes next. So those um, kids who are fighting and saying all that stuff, um, you've just kind of got to not let it in, let it roll off your back. Um, Don't engage with it as a conversation or anything, because now is not the time to solve problems. Um, But understanding what your child's going through can help you just stay calm and not bite to any of those things they're saying. Um, So you've got to manage your own emotions, think about them and be empathic, and then you've got to make it simple and easy. So at that time too, when kids are overwhelmed um, and they're in survival mode, which is what fight, flight or freeze is, their problem solving capacity is no good anymore. They're too stressed to learn. So, oh, and to problem solve, I should say. So that's where I make it a simple, simpler so that your child's more likely to be able to do it. So that might mean bringing the uniform to them, um, saying, would you like me to pack your lunch or I'll pack your lunch for you or just doing it. If you think talking about it's going to start a fight, just do it. So you might do a couple of things for them or help them with some other things just to make it easy and simple. Um, The other thing is to help them regulate their emotions. And so how you can do that is by staying calm yourself, but also um, sitting with your child or staying in the vicinity so that they know you're there for them. And just 
I don't know, it's kind of being calm, but in their presence will calm them. Sometimes I have statements that I say as well that I think um, can be useful because you don't want to get into that argument about it or problem solving it. And so, but when they're saying all these things to you, it can be hard to know what to say back. And so some, my favorite one is saying, I know. So when they say, I don't want to go, I say, I know. I hate school. And I say, I know. Or, oh, it's so hard and the teacher is so mean and she's going to yell at me. And I might say, oh, I know you, you're scared. I'm sorry. Or I know you're not looking forward to it. Sometimes just acknowledging the feelings um, is enough. The other thing is to remind them that you care about them as well. So saying that I love you and I care about you uh, is enough. So you've got things to say that don't engage in problem solving or fighting about it. And you're not negotiating. You're not saying, um, oh, yes, but you need to go because of this reason or that reason. It's important. You're kind of just saying, I know you don't want to go. I hear you. I love you. It's time to go. Um, It sounds really patronizing when I say it now because there's nobody here yelling. But that's exactly what I was saying this morning when I was experiencing it myself. Um, And it's not easy. And some days it will work and run smoother than other days. But, But this is a general idea and approach to take, I think, that can help your kids get there and knowing that at the other time or you know knowing that you're also looking into and helping them with all of those underlying difficulties Um, because the more you can solve them that will tip the balance back into school being not such a bad place and that's really the goal Um, kids go to school for so much time it's really important that they feel safe and happy and supported there, Um, especially because if that doesn't happen, none of the learning will either. So after a morning of dealing with this myself, it's felt quite cathartic to talk about it um, with you all. And I hope that this brings some, you know, insight or a helpful perspective in case it's something that you experience soon and hopefully these strategies work with you to a decent enough degree (laughs) as they did with me this morning Um, but I feel like I need a nap now (laughs) after what a challenging morning it was Um, so I will go and do that and I will catch you next time thanks again thanks for listening to this episode of parent like a psychologist If you found it helpful, please share on Instagram so other parents can benefit too and tag me at leannetranpsychology so that I can say a big thank you. Head over to leannetran.com.au to join the village for bite-sized psychology tips straight to your inbox. I really hope this podcast has brought a new perspective and you a step closer towards a calm parent and a thriving child. Have a delightful day.